Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Man in the season previews. Joining me this week, we have Jamie Smith. Jamie is uh editor and podcaster on the Noni Never podcast and representing Burnley. Jamie, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, thank you very much for joining me for this. Um, this is one of my favourite ones. Um, outside Burnley, I might be Sean Dyche's biggest fan. Oh. <laughs> which is rare to, to find people who actually appreciate Burnley and Dash. Yeah, well, I, I think, I mean, anyone who listens to the Man in the Post knows, like, he is served out to me. Um, I, I just love him. I don't know, very underappreciated. Um, and, and in no disrespect to Burnley, I think he's probably, he needs probably a bigger job or he deserves a bigger job to see what he's capable um, from there. As much as I like Burnley and I appreciate the, you know, the, the, the minimal expenditure really that you you guys well none actually in recent times for Deitch, um I, I've just I've always said I just I'd like to see what he could do at a a more I don't know even like a top top eight top ten club with uh, more finances coming in and out. Yeah, it, I think it would be interesting. Um, I think it's almost like now he's been at Burnley so long. I think it's eight years coming on nine. It's almost a, a little bit stale. I think the last couple of seasons has been a bit of a sense that things have gone stale. Um, obviously his relationship with the old owners broke down a little bit. Um, they didn't see eye to eye over transfers. There was problems with contract renewals with the, the pandemic, the project restart thing. Dad wants to keep players that the club didn't want to keep or couldn't feel that they could afford to. So. Um, I think everyone breathed a bit of a sigh of relief when the new owners came in, but unfortunately, I'm sure we're going to come on to it. It's been a bit of the same old story as far as as far as transfers go. So, yeah, trying to be neutral about it, I'd certainly be interested to see how Dash went with a bigger club and a bigger budget and better resources and all that stuff. But I, I kind of think that the way Dash does things at Burnley just kind of really fits Burnley. Sometimes you see managers are at the club for a long time and it's a good fit and then they go somewhere else and it doesn't really work. So um, it could well just be a case of the grass is always greener and maybe he's just a really well-suited manager for Burnley. No, absolutely. And resources was the word I was looking for, but I could, I could my tiny little brain couldn't figure it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, let's start this off, the, the previewing, but before we get into the season upcoming, I mean, you, you mentioned obviously the, the, the takeover and the, the fallout of the board and the, the contract dispute. How do you feel last season went overall now that the, the dust has settled? Um, it was obviously a tough season. I think it is really hard to analyse it because there was so much stuff going on behind the scenes. I think people forget how hard it must have been for 
players, staff, managers, everyone involved at clubs to just try and keep going and keep everything going as, as normally as possible when when the world was burning around them, really. So the fact that everyone kept the show on the road, I think he's deserving of massive praise. Um, Dash himself, I think, has said he regards keeping Burnley in the Premier League last season as his biggest achievements at the club. And when you consider that he got us promoted against all the odds, kept us up against all the odds, took us into Europe against all the odds, I think it, it says... I mean, managers say these kind of things, don't they? So big themselves up, but I think it does say a lot that Dash regards it as it was a very, very tough season. We had injuries at the start of the campaign, key players were missing, we started really badly, had to recover from that. And the squad was basically bare bones all the way through. Um but despite that we had some fantastic results going away to Liverpool and winning. We did that before everyone started winning outfield by the way. We sort of started that trend. Um but we we still took some memories out of it but um, yeah, largely forgettable. Um, I think we finished 17th, but something like nine points clear of the bottom three. So it looks like we only just stayed up, but anyone who watched football last season could see that the bottom three were so far worse than anyone else. In reality, I think we were probably safe March, April, and then took our foot off the gas at the end. So I think there's a danger that when you finish one season badly, that rolls over into the next. Um, but we haven't really seen that at Burnley. We've had bad ends to the season and put it behind us over the summer, so hopefully that's not going to be the case. Yeah, look, I, I might have been the only Liverpool fan that celebrated Burnley winning at Anfield. Um, <laughs> if, if anyone, we, we were going to lose eventually, and again, my, my love for Dyche, if anybody was going to do it, I would rather it was a Dyche than, than Guardiola or somebody like that. I'd rather it was like a, a hard-working manager. So, yeah, no bit of this here. But I think you're right on last season, although you're 17th and you know, the, the poor end of the season, there was never really a doubt you coming down. There was maybe a talk about it, maybe we about five, six games to go. I think we mentioned it on our pod, it was a bit close. But for me, Fulham were always going to go down. I just didn't see them gaining enough points. I could see you dropping more points in the, the run you were on, but I couldn't see them outpointing you plus the catch-up, if that makes sense. Yeah, there was that, and we, we knew that we had Fulham to play, so yeah, we had it in our own hands. We knew that all we had to do was go to Fulham and beat Fulham. Um, it did get a little bit dicey at one point, but realistically, we had enough points on the board already, really, and when we went to Fulham and won, that was sort of game over for them made sure that we were going to be safe so I think that game itself showed really what Burnley had got at we we knew we were the better side did a really professional job it was one of the best performances of the season really kept Fulham arm's length showed the golfing class between the sides the sort of Premier League know-how expertise knowledge from not just the players but the staff from five six seasons consecutive in the Premier League I think we've shown now that we've got that ability to scrap um which makes it a bit of a surprise that, once again, everyone's tipping us to go down, even though we keep not going down. Oh, everyone but me. I'm still, I've still got you. <laughs> I mean, don't think, I don't get me wrong, I don't think you'll be top half, but uh, yeah, going down, no, I think there's, there's definitely at least four or five teams worse, worse than yourselves. I do fear, again, I'll say if Sean Dykes was to ever leave, I think that takes away maybe ten points off yourselves, then it's a bit of a concern. But, why you've got Dykes there and you've got especially your defence and Pope I don't know is Pope back from injury yet? Uh, he played in the last friendly yeah so yeah. I think everyone's hoping he's going to be fit for the first game yeah um, perfect so that's yeah so that was last season um, I was just having a look at your friend results there and not that they mean anything 
Um, but, you know, fairly successful throughout them all. Um, the only loss was the Cadiz game, which, again, friendlies don't really matter. It's all about getting, getting fitness. So, I mean, you, you hinted to the, the lack of, like, transfer agreement this summer from the new owners. So, I mean, tell everybody more about it. Yeah, so, like I said, it's, it seemed like the same old story, really. Uh, the new owners, an American group called ALK Capital, Alan Pace is the new chairman. Um, they seem to talk a really good game. A lot of the things that they say in the media and in interviews and stuff, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I think people are on board for that reason. Um, however, talk is cheap, isn't it? It's, it's all about actions. Um, and the transfer window has just been very similar to previous windows. Um, we got one good signing in early. Nathan Collins has come in from Stoke. He's a player that Dash has been chasing for a little while. Um, I think he played right back more often than not for Stoke because of the defenders that they had. But I think we see him as a centre-back. Probably a long-term successor to James Tarkovsky. He's winning to the last year of his contract. Seems clear that he's not going to renew. Um, so Collins has basically been brought into the building early to, to get his feet under the table, shadow Tarkovsky for a year, and then I'll probably take over. He might play it right back a little bit this season. Um, but he's the only real senior addition. Wayne Hennessy's come in from Palace on a free. Um, his goalkeeping cover, really. I think we were maybe a little bit concerned about Pope's injury. Like you say, um, he had an operation over the summer that meant he couldn't go to the Euros. He missed the end of last season with a separate injury. So there was a little bit of concern over Pope. I think Dash probably wanted some more experienced senior goalkeeping cover because Billy Peacock Farrell was the number two and hasn't really done that well. Um, that's a nice way of putting it. When he's had chances to play and he's gone out and won to League One, which shows how far away he is really from being ready. So Hennessy comes in to add a bit more experience there. And, and that's it. So actually, with the, the players that have gone out, we're theoretically weaker than we were last season, which has to be a concern. The good news is that it seems like everyone's fit. Um, Chris Wood went to the Olympics with New Zealand, came back unscathed. So while he's had, he's had a slightly unusual pre-season in, the, he was in Tokyo playing internationals, <laughs> uh, I'm sure he'll be fully fit. Sounds like Pope's going to be ready. The players that missed the start last season, me, Tarkovsky, big, big players for us. They seem fine. So it looks like we'll have our strongest 11 out for Saturday's game at least, which is a big difference to to last year's. But yeah, I'd say it's frustrating, but it's it's not really because it's just what we expect. Um, I'm sure there are difficulties in getting people to Burnley. Um, remember a few years ago, I think it was Roy Keane at Sunderland. He was complaining that just trying to get players to come to Sunderland was really hard because they all want to play in London. They all want to play for the big city clubs. Um, so I think you need a certain type of character first who's willing to come and play for Burnley. It seems like Collins is very much in that mould. Everything I hear about Collins is that he's very down to earth, willing to graft. He's not going to have any problems with sitting on the bench for a season and then playing next year. Um, and I think Dash likes his trusted faces. We've seen that with Aaron Lennon's been back at the club. Um, training to keep fit is the official line, but he was named in the squad for at least one of the friendlies, which is normally a sign when it's a trialist that they are going to sign. So yeah. everyone expecting Lennon to sign for another year. Having been away for a year, he went to Turkey after we released him. So it's been a funny one that last summer we didn't think he was good enough to keep, and now. Aaron Lennon, a player who was known for his pace, he's now 34, and suddenly we think he's worth a place in the squad again. So 
releasing Brady and bringing in Aaron Lennon isn't really much progress, and it's obvious that there's a real lack of squad depth. I think you said earlier, the first 11, if we can put that out, you'd expect us to get more than enough wins, but the problem is if we had Chris Wood out, or if we had Dwight McNeil out, or if we had Ben Mee out, then suddenly there's not that much cover. And yeah, you can say that for most clubs, if you take their best four players out, they'd struggle, but we've got almost nothing in some key positions, so I think it's a big couple of weeks for for ALK to really follow through on the the promises that they made, and rumbling away in the background to all of this is that Sean Dash has not signed the new contract that everyone in the media was saying was ready to sign earlier in the summer. Um, It's not been signed as yet. I'm sure they would have announced it if it had been. Um, So I'm sure Dash is waiting to see what happens with with transfers for now, because that would be a smart thing to do, and he's not an idiot. Right, so a few things there then, especially now you mentioned contracts. Obviously, Tarkovsky, um, you said he's got a year left. Do you envision him just staying and running down the contract and leaving on a fee in the summer then? Yeah, I don't think he said explicitly, but he's basically said he's not going to sign a new contract at the moment. He wants to play in the Champions League, which is fine. I think he is good enough to go to certainly top six club, if not top four. The problem is top six clubs, top four clubs haven't been coming in for him yet. West Ham wanted him last year. And why you can say now West Ham had a really good season. Nobody was really backing them to go and do that last year. Um, so I think we were probably right to turn down their advances. Apparently there's a 50 million release clause in his contract, but it only applies to certain clubs. Okay. A bit of murk over exactly how it works. but um, And there were some reports that Frank Lampard wanted him at Chelsea, but nothing happened on that front. So I think he's in a position that a lot of players are, when they come to clubs like Burnley, sort of outgrow them a little bit, in that taking that next step becomes tricky, he's sort of stuck in his contracts. Clubs are probably looking at him thinking, do we want to pay 20, 25 million for him now or pick him up on a free? The difference is that obviously he's a year older then, he'll want higher wages because he's on free transfer. So I think it all balances out. I think from a Burnley perspective, we're okay with it. I think we're resigned to what's going to happen. It doesn't seem to be any indication that Tarkovsky is going to be difficult. I think it's just accepted that he's going to play out the last year. He'll give everything as always. I'm sure he will. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a shame. But I don't think anyone will begrudge him as long as he does go to a bigger, better club and actually plays. It would be frustrating for me if he went to, I don't know, a Spurs and then just sat on the bench because yeah. I think he's better than that. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the West Ham offer last summer as well. I, oh, okay, we've seen what West Ham done, but at the time, as you as you like, you almost alluded to there, West Ham weren't any bigger a team, well, maybe bigger technically, and West Ham's got that reputation from the past, but they were no better a team really than Burnley were, you know, in the summer anyway. Obviously, they went on to do a really good season, and yeah, hats off to them. But if I was looking at like, as I'm a Liverpool fan, obviously, and I, I'd be quite happy with Tarkovsky in our squad. He would by no means start every game, which is where I get your frustration. You wouldn't want to see that from him. He deserves better. But you mentioned like the likes of Chelsea, which would have been ideal last season. They were crying out for a defender like Tarkovsky. Yeah, I think it's a strange one with Tarkovsky because I think people see him as like a Ben Mee clone, a sort of head it, kick it, lock it, hoof it guy, but he's really not. Um, Obviously, Burnley asked him to do that a little bit, but. When he came through at Oldham, I want to say Oldham, 
He was known as a ball-playing defender. When he went to Brentford, he was a ball-playing defender. He's just come to Burnley, and it's a team that don't ask him to do that. He can. It's just at the moment we don't ask him to. So I think it's probably frustrating for Tarkovsky that he doesn't get the chance to show the full range of his abilities at Burnley. So moving to another club is probably appealing on that front as well. Um, and obviously international recognition. Um, all right, England had a very good summer, but personally I looked at the centre-backs that were in that squad and I think two of them were better players than James Tarkovsky. And that's the lads who played in the knockout rounds. Um I wouldn't have had Connor Cody, Taro Mings. Mings had two good games, fair play. Cody Mings, even Ben White, um, Ben Godfrey. I think it was an absolute joke that Tarkovsky wasn't involved there. Um, I suspect that something has happened behind the scenes. I think he was in a squad and pulled out to have an operation. Um, and I wonder if there was some sort of argument about that because he's not had a look in since. And on form, there's no way you're telling me James Sarkovsky hasn't been in the top five, six centre-backs in the country for the last two years. It's just absolutely nowhere. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you're more generous than me. For the England squad, I would have said there was only one who I would definitely have over over Tarkovsky, and that would have been um, John Stones, just on the season he had. Not a Maguire fan, although I get why he's picked. But yeah. Tarkovsky's a better defender overall. Um, the only English defender, I think, who's actually better than... Tarkovsky in the league it wasn't even in England squad either and it's Ezra Conza Villa it still baffles me how Tyrone Mings got picked ahead of him um, when I feel Conza carried him week in week out in the league um, but this isn't a Villa bashing so we'll, we'll leave that there Jamie um, oh, you mentioned Deitch's contract how long does he have left? So he, he expires in the summer as well oh. uh, at one point he had a rolling deal which is quite yeah. unusual but it was like always 12 months so he just kept rolling um, but the last one he signed was a big one. Apparently he's on 70,000 a week, which is obviously easily the highest earner at the club, which personally I'm fine with, but I think at some clubs I might be a bit uneasy with the manager earning more than any of the players. Um, but I think that's a reflection of Dash's status at Burnley. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons why he's still at Burnley as well. I mean, I, I don't know if any other Premier League club would want to pay Sean Dash the same, but or more than what we're paying him. Um, but I think, again, I think it's similar to Tarkovsky. I think he's going to carry on doing his job, being very professional. We all know what Sean Dyche is like, um, even if he didn't sign and made it clear that he was going to leave at the end of the season. I don't think that would be an issue. It's just then it makes sort of off-the-field planning more difficult because you don't know who's going to be the manager. Um, I think he's right to wait and see at the moment. Like we need to see what the new owners do in the market. I think it's a big window. Um, there's a lot of ageing players in the squad who are in similar positions to Crystal Palace when they let half their players go because they're old and out of contract. We're getting to that situation as well. So um, it's getting towards a sort of transition period, I think, where the club is established in the Premier League now. I think it's fair to say that, although you can never take it for granted. Yeah. People probably say that Dash would keep us in the Premier League, although at the moment it seems like the club is trying to make it as hard as possible for him just for... <laughs> banter to see how big a challenge I can give him. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not really a concern for me because ultimately it's still where is he going to go? Um, now he might decide that he just wants to take some time off and then see what's what. Maybe the England job comes up after the World Cup. Like Anything can happen in football but at the moment I think Everton have appointed four managers in the space of time that they should have given Dice the keys to that yes. club. 
yeah. Pal- keep ignoring him despite being linked to him all the time. So the sort of clubs where you would think he's like enough of a step up that Dash would be an option, but not like a Spurs or an Arsenal. They just don't seem interested. So, yeah, I think um, from Dash's point of view, I think he might well be wondering what his next job is. Yeah, no, that's fair. I do believe he's, yeah. I think, as you mentioned, teams like Everton, I've always said I think Arsenal were built for Sean Dyche. He could rebuild that club top to bottom, which is what they need, rather than keep going for the same type of manager who wants to play the same type of football. Um, but given everything you've just said um, on the on the upcoming season, um, how 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 do you feel confidence wise going into the season, and what's your your prediction um, for where you'll finish? Yeah, I think it's a strange one. I've got tickets to the game on Saturday, and I don't think I've ever been less excited about going to the opening game of the season. Um, it's probably just because it's probably going to be exactly the same 11 that was playing last season. So Collins will probably be on the bench. It'll be the same team, the same tactics, the same dash, the same Burnley doing Burnley things, which is fine. And it's better than the alternative of slogging away in the championship, going to horrible grounds on Tuesday nights. But yeah, it's, it's, I think at the moment it's difficult to be enthused. Um, I think you said earlier that there's probably going to be four or five teams worse than Burnley, and that's not the most exciting way of looking at a season, but I think you are right. I think the the three that come up are obviously going to find it hard to adapt. Norwich have lost their best player in Burundia, so I think it's going to be tricky for all of those. Um, the same sort of teams that were around us in the table last season. Brighton have lost one of their best players in White. Southampton are losing their best players in Ings, and seems like Ward Prowse is going. Palace could go either way, so Newcastle as well finished 12th, but I don't think anyone understands how that happened, given they were so bad for most of the season. Um, I think you would probably look at it and go, yeah, I'd fancy to finish above three teams. The strange things happen in football. Dwight McNeil's been subject to a bit of speculation. Everton have been linked with him. Villa have been linked with him. It seems like they've done their post-Grealish business, hopefully, touch wood. Um, so if if something happened like Dwight McNeil got bought and we didn't replace him properly or someone sacked the manager and Dash got tempted away in the middle of the season, I think it could then get a bit dicey. Um, but I would happily back Burnley to stay up, even if it was 17th again. Come on, a wee bit more confidence in that. <laughs> Maybe uh, 16th. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know if I want to go any higher. I have used in 14th or 15th. Um, as I say, my only concern for you is is as if Deitch decided to leave up in the you know if he if he just felt let down by the owners again sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, think it's very unlikely that he would walk. I think last season <laughs> he's been paid seventy grand a week apparently to manage Burnley. It's a job that he knows inside out. I think it, yeah. something spectacular would have to happen for him to walk away from that without having something better to go to. Now leaving at the end of his contract is a different thing. He might just decide he wants a, a long break or whatever. But yeah, I think. I would expect Dash to see out the season at least. And then unless there's like a devastating injury crisis or, or our best players get bought, which doesn't seem likely, I think we will probably stay up. Um, I only say 17 because last season, like obviously the table doesn't really lie, but it also kind of does because the table's just a snapshot of the season at that point, right? If there was another round of games or two rounds of games and the table will change again. So Newcastle finished 12th. Were they really the 12th best team in the league last season? Probably not. We finished 17th. Were we the 17th best team in the league? Probably not. We were probably a couple of places higher. So 
we might well be safe in February, March, which we've done before, and then do a stalk 50 under Pulis and then be on the beach for the last couple of months and finish 17th. So you can finish 17th and have a fine season. Um, but yeah, I would, I would expect us to be a few points clear of the drop, and I think there are probably three to six teams that will be worse than us at the least. Yeah, definitely. As I say, I don't think you're in any trouble, um, or I hope not anyway. I, as I say, I'm one of the few um, non-Burnley fans who enjoy Burnley being in the league, so fingers crossed. Right, we'll end it with the my three players segment. So I'm looking for a player who you believe will be your player of the season, a player for opposition fans who maybe don't know much about Burnley to keep an eye out for, so obviously no, none of you are Dwight McNeil's or Chris Wood, everybody knows who they are. And, then a player for fantasy football prospects, basically, for any of our fantasy football listeners, any players that you would tip, you know, maybe under budget or players like that. OK, um, I'm not sure of the prices, but I'll bash that. Um, I think player of the season, the obvious contender will be McNeil if he stays. I think last season he was a bit below par by his standards, but he still had moments like the goal he scored at Everton was at the top draw. I think it's a, a big season for McNeil in that he has to show that he can do it week in, week out. Um, he is consistent in that he doesn't tend to put bad crosses in and he doesn't tend to have a stinker, but we really want to see high-level displays from him week in, week out. And if he is going to move on to a big club, which I think is inevitable at some point, and he needs to start doing that every other game, um, really take his game onto a new level like someone like Grealish has done in the last couple of seasons. So, because McNeil does that, he'll be an obvious contender for player of the season because I think he is our best player by a distance. Um, picking someone that people won't know is difficult because I think even casual Premier League fans would have a bash at naming our first 11 because it has been the same for two, three years. <laughs> but there is quite a lot of excitement around a teenage striker called Lewis Richardson. Um, he scored a few goals in pre-season. He's been around the first-team squad. I think he played a couple of games off the bench last season, although we were basically pulling people out of the stands if there had been anyone in the stands and giving them boots to just occupy bench slots. Um, I can't say that I've seen much of him so far, but people who do watch the youth teams say that he's quick, he's got two good feet, he finishes sharply. He seems to have that goal scorer's instinct, which obviously you can't really teach. Um, the flip side is that we've got four quite established senior strikers. It's difficult to see how he gets regular game time, um, but he might well play some cup games, he might go out on loan, and he seems to be the most likely academy player to make a breakthrough. And since we've only really had McNeil in that department for a decade or longer since Jay Rodriguez, um, I think everyone's hoping that Richardson does make it. In terms of fantasy football, I think Chris Ward is always a really solid pick. Um, I'm not sure what he's priced at this season, but um, there was a stat. What was the stat saying? I think Ward has scored double figures four seasons in a row, and the only other players who have done that are Son and someone else. So if you want a relatively cheap striker who will probably get about 10 goals a season, Chris Ward is probably a solid bet. Um, in terms of fantasy football, he can be quite streaky, like a lot of players he gets his goals in bundles, so um, just make sure that you pick him when he's about to score all his goals, not when he's about to not score for ages. That would be my top, top fantasy football advice. But I'm terrible at the game, so feel free to completely ignore me. Um, and we'll probably keep quite a few clean sheets, so Nick Pope's always a solid option in goals. Yeah, that's it. Nick, the, 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 the trio at the back and me, Tarkovsky and 
and Pope's always a good shout for keeping us a trio. If you're if you're feeling really brave and you're willing to accept those those high lot, you know the occasional like hiding that you'll take that they happen every so often. Um, but more often than not, as you say, it's clean sheets or low goals, and you get the bonuses from the three of them. But um, who was the youngster, Lewis Stevenson? Did you say? Lewis Richardson. Richardson. Yeah, working. Yeah. Uh, those are the ones that are interesting me the most doing these shows. Just especially the young ones breaking through. We've got a couple of exciting ones ourselves, so it's always fun keeping an eye on them, especially in the cup games. Where, mm-hmm. let's be fair, especially for a lot of We don't really care about the cups, to be honest. So, um, at least yeah, both are the same. And um, it's always great to see local lads coming through as well. Yeah. Brighton and Eels come through the academy. Um, I think Manny Atlet goal 14, he's come through the age ranks of Burnley, got into the first team very quickly, he's now established. Jay Rodriguez is obviously still around the squad, he went away for a bit and then came home. So we've now got two lads who start a lot of games that came through the Cup Academy. I think that was really important to show young players like Richardson that there is a pathway, which I hate, but you know what I mean. And uh, Our academy is now Category 1, when it was Category 3 a few years ago, so we are clearly... Moving in the right direction on that front, but you have to get players into the first team squad to show that you can do it. And yeah. show that, that it's a realistic option. Otherwise, why would they come to a club where there's no young players in the team? And that's one of the slights that people put at dice to look and see and go, but it's Dwight Manil and 10 old lads, which to be fair, it is a lot of the time. But you know, I think Richardson's certainly the next cab off the rank. It looks like he's certainly now have a career in the football league. Um, it's just a case of how well he develops from now. Yeah, it's, it's worth keeping an eye on it, so I'll keep a note of that for, for future. But yeah, that's, um, hope everybody else has found that as enlightening as myself, obviously, especially as a fan of a bigger club. Sometimes we look past the, the smaller down the table clubs, so it's always fun to help somebody like yourself want to, to discuss. Um, let everybody know where they can find you, Jamie, and, and anything that you're working on. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. It's always nice to talk to someone who doesn't just think Daesh is a dinosaur who plays Route 1 football and tells his team to kick lumps out of the opposition. <laughs> so it's been it's been nice to be on. Um, I've just launched a new newsletter, actually, with Nona and Everett, which is the Burnley FC fan site. Um, it goes out every Monday, um, various features, news and views around the club. Obviously, um, it is very Burnley FC-focused. So don't sign up and subscribe and then complain that it's all about Burnley because that's entirely the point. But you can find that at nonanever.substack.com and my personal Twitter is at Jamie Smith Sport. If you want to follow my terrible bad takes on there, please do so. <laughs> They're not all bad, I'm sure. <coughs> but yeah, no, thank you very much for coming on. As I say, really enjoyed your stuff on the EPL Roundtable. Um, and I always keep an eye on that. The no need ever podcast as well, just purely for my my un, unnatural loving for a Burnley and Dyke. <laughs> no idea where it comes from, but I like it anyway. Um, you can find us at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms. You can get me at Ali Thompson eighty four. Please interact with us all as much as you can, and always remember keep your man in the post.